Matthew chapter 6, verse number 8. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, if your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. So I'm going to call it this way. Prayer may be defined, prayer may be defined as follows. Prayer is personal communication with God. Prayer is personal communication with God. Say it with me. Prayer is personal communication with God. That's a simple definition. It's personal communication with God. Hey, church, what's prayer? Prayer is personal communication with God. In defining what we, what we think to be maybe simple things in Scripture, I think a lot of times we lose some of the importance and, and or we lose some of the simplicity of it. Uh, if there's anything that is maybe more, I don't think there's anything that's more misquoted or misrepresented than prayer. Everybody prays, right? Oh, I'm praying for it. God bless you, sister. Did you hear so-and-so? I mean, prayer is masked in like every form of gossip. You know what I mean? Like it, everybody, pray. oh, I pray. Do you, can I invite you to church? Oh, I pray. I mean, literally, it's like, it's the answer for everything. I broke my bone. I'm gonna pray about it, right? I mean, and that's legitimate, kind of. We'll see, maybe. Uh, jury's still out. But literally, people pray for everything. And I hope you pray for everything. But are we praying the way the Bible tells us to pray? Have we considered what the scripture says about prayer in particular? Or do we just do it because that's how we what? Always have done it, right? We, th- everybody, I was taught to pray at a young age. How many of you were taught to pray at a young age? How many of you have just started praying in the last two years? A few, not many, okay. All right, most of us have been taught to pray at a young age. So think about that. It is literally communication with God. It's, and, and here's what I'm gonna maybe equate it to. I'm shooting from the hip here pretty much the whole service. I have no like preconceived illustrations, uh, nothing that's coming to mind. I had some random ones this morning. I'm sure it's gonna be random this hour. But just consider this, right? It's like saying, I know how to talk. I real, I, I'm really good at talking. Just ask my wife, right? I know how to talk. We all know how to talk. We, we are, from a young age, we're taught how to verbalize. We're taught phonics. We're taught mechanics. But there's a difference between talking and communicating. And every wife said, amen. <laughs> That's right. I've been trying to get my husband to communicate since the day we met. Oh, he communicated real well for about six months. And then what? So it's like saying, yeah, I'm really good at talking, but are you good at communicating? You're good at uttering words, maybe good at public reading. I'm not, but you know what I mean? Like I struggle with that, but you know, your competency of, of reading and articulating things is there, but can you actually communicate the thought? So that's praying. I, I'm really good at talking to God, but are you effectively communicating with the creator of the world? Like I mean, that's pretty weighty, don't you think? So think about this. The purpose of prayer is not, and I'm going to say some things this morning that may floor you a little bit, just a little bit. You may be like, oh, I don't like the way that sounds. But I promise you those statements that will bother you and that will challenge you are the ones that are like rooted in the text of what the text is saying about prayer, okay? So don't shut me off. Walk, walk through it with me. The purpose of prayer is not so that we can tell God what we need. I think a lot of people just think, yeah, it's so that I can tell God what I need. He needs to know. Matthew 6, verse 8, the scripture we read, Be ye therefore not like unto them, for, for your Father knoweth what things ye what? Have need of. <laughs> I'll tell you what prayer is, asking and receiving. Okay, I get that. But you know what it's not? It's not telling him the things that you need. Because he already what? Knows. And effective communication is, is really, it boils down to two people that already have an understanding. If we're going to effectively communicate anything, we have to have ground rules. We have to have a basic understanding. We have to have basic what? Respect for one another. If a husband and wife are, are going to communicate well, there has to be basic uh, rules of engagement and, and basic communication principles and mutual respect and love and all of those things that have to go before the said communication that needs to happen, right? So that's like saying, I just go to God because I need to tell him what I need. No, we need to understand what has already been understood in scripture, what has already been told, I mean, ages ago, 
And if we can really understand what scripture is saying and the purpose of prayer, we're ahead of the game. Sound good? All right, let's do that. Let's, let's dig in a little bit. So it's not, it's not for us to tell God what we need. Our praying, listen to this, our praying to God is a path to show God that we trust him and desire to trust him more. We see in scripture that it is a relational conversation that actuates kingdom resources and gives us the opportunity to have a part in the unseen. Okay, let's straighten the rug so I can focus. Okay, <laughs> our praying is a path to show God that we trust in him and desire to trust him more. Why is that important? Okay, we all have that person in our group, in our tribe, that we know blabs. You feel me? Wow, that was a good, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, we know. We all have that aunt, we all have that cousin. It's funny how people, you ever notice how you say cousin around here? Cousin, we all have that cousin. You ever notice that people from Maryland in this area say cousin instead of cousin? You know what I mean? Anybody notice that? I'm gonna record one of you saying cousin, because it's not cousin, it's, that's my cousin. <laughs> Anyway, Baltimore people, you don't even know you say things weird like home and phone. And then I do it. I do. I catch myself. I'm like this weird hodgepodge of like Southern and Maryland because I've been here for so long now. It's weird. So y'all have that cousin that, that y'all, y'all have that cousin that, that tells and blabs everything, right? We know who they are and we're careful with what we want say around them. We all know. Every church has got them. If you're wondering if it's you, no one will tell you because you're the one. You are the one. And that's just the, the reality of it. So the point is, is we have that person that we keep at arm's distance because we don't trust them. So therefore, the people who we communicate with are people that we are extending our trust. And because it's a conversation, they're people who we want to trust more. When you talk with someone, when you talk with your spouse, when you're communicating, what you're truly saying is, I trust you and I wanna trust you more. I trust you and I wanna trust you more. I'm having conversation with you because I wanna have more conversation with you. And if you haven't realized this about yourself, you should think about that more. You should think about why you say things. I tell that to my children. I say, my wife says it more because I'm really not that good at it, but I say, think about what you're gonna say, what? Before you say it. Why? Because what you say matters. Our words matter. So when we choose to have communication with someone, we are saying, I trust you with the information I'm giving you and I would like to give you more. Or we would not continue what? Conversation. So therefore, I'm just saying that our praying to God is a path for us to trust him and trust him more. And, and I even submit to you this, that that conversation actuates kingdom resources. It is us saying to God, I would like to be a part of your kingdom and I would like you to bring your kingdom to what I have and what I have going on. That's prayer. It's a conversation that gets you out of the natural and into the supernatural. How many of you know that, that you need supernatural help? The natural ability that man has, even in love. Uh, I was thinking about that yesterday during marriage. I was marrying a couple and I'm reading 1 Corinthians 13 and as a pastor, sometimes when I read uh, texts, some things hit me out of nowhere. I'm like, hold on guys, I know this is a wedding. I have to go write this thought down really quick. That, they wouldn't have appreciated that during the wedding. But I was thinking about like, while I'm reading this text, I was like, man, though we see through a glass darkly is what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. We, we now see in part, and what prayer is, is a conversation with God to peel back what we cannot see through and so that we can see through a lens, another lens, through the eyes of faith. I, I think about the Garden of Eden. It was that place where God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. This is what's happened. I'm leaving my outline. I'm not gonna get through my message. This is how it happens. I'm just acknowledging it right now, Facebook. The point is this, is I think about how the Garden of Eden, that place where heaven and earth crossed over, where God met with men, where the supernatural, the unseen realm was met with the seen, right? And then I think about the temple, right, where, where men would do natural things that would evoke or invoke uh, supernatural causes, and if those things were followed, then the Shekinah glory would come. God's presence would be in a physical location, heaven and earth, the unseen and the seen would, would cross. 
And then I think about how we are now the temple. We are now those people that embody the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are now the place where heaven and earth crisscross, where we can peer into the future, where we can peer into something that God has a kingdom plan through prayer. That's the conversation. God, help me to see the things. But see, if it was just telling God what you need, then that is like literally saying, I'm entering into a supernatural for natural things. If, if we're going into the supernatural, we're not really concerned with the natural stuff. We're concerned with the supernatural. If we know and have weight to who God is and what God has already done for us, I think we'll care less about the things that we really care most about right now. That's kind of my point. Anyway, I gotta keep moving here. Our praying is that path. This, is a re- this would be a really long conversation, wouldn't it be? <laughs> this may be two weeks. Luke 11, 9 through 13. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke 11, verses 9 through 13. Hold on, let me shield my Britney Spears mic so I can take a drink of my coffee. Luke 11, verses 9 through 13. I love this passage. And I say unto you, what's the next word? Okay, all right. That's good. Prayers asking and receiving, right? Not really, yes. It is, but it isn't. I'm just messing with you. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be. Notice here. Notice what's happening. And I say unto you, what's it say? And then. Then it says, seek. And then it says what? Knock. So you do, and then he what? You, you seeing that? Okay, cool. All right. Knock, and then it shall be open. If a son, now he's talking about, he, he's kind of like bringing it home with an illustration here, right? If a son shall ask for bread, of any of you that is his father, will he give him a stone? I was like, Lord, that's a really bad illustration because I would totally give my son a stone for bread. (laughs) My son comes to me and he's like, Dad, can I have a cookie? What am I going to say? No. (laughs) Hey, here's a spider. (laughs) It should say a son asks his mother, will she give him? Because she'll give him anything that he wants, right? (laughs) That's how it is. Isn't that right, Miss Grace? We were talking about that yesterday. It, it, I think the context is all wrong. Just kidding, just kidding, the Bible's right. <laughs> Shall he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him, uh, will he, for a fish, he give him a serpent? If he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? We get the point here. If he then, being evil, we're not God, we have limitations, but if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, I love this, shall your heavenly what? Father, give the, ah, ask, and I'm going to give it, knock, and I'm going to open it. What's he going to give? The what? The Holy Spirit. That's what we need. Son. That's what we need. That's what we ought to be praying for. Anyway, I'm just, let's keep moving here. (laughs) Shall he give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? I think what's so awesome is, is this idea of Father, right? So now we have this other element to our prayer. We have this father-son, father-daughter relationship that has entered into this paradigm. Okay, so not only is it communication, not only is it a conversation and, and how we pull the unseen into the scene and how we have a part of God's kingdom, now we learn that our part is like son or daughter stuff. Our part is relational in a sense that there is shared love and shared concern where God literally cares about what we, what, do. We care about our children and God is saying, you who are evil are literally doing everything for your children and you're setting them up and you're feeding them and you're clothing them and you're loving them and rightfully so, we're made in God's image. But get this, I'm God. Imagine how I look at you Imagine how I will treat you. Imagine how I will give to you. But I think we're asking for the wrong things. God wants to enable you to engage in a spiritual life with him, your father. Prayer is God enabling you to engage in spiritual life. Listen, we got a whole generation of folk that just don't know how to engage in life. I'm just saying. I, I mean, it's, it can be comical at times. And I, I'm just this weird, uh, I don't know. I, got some, I have a lot of old school in me. 
But in life, life circumstances, right? Many of you that had to grow up fast, that had to do things before you were intended to do them. You saw how resilient human beings are and you learned and you struggled and you, you persevered and, and you made it through. But the tendency, as we see, is that we don't want our children to go through those things. We wanna make, we wanna make the path nice and easy for Junior, right? And that's where it's like now we're, me and Sarah, we talk about this often and we struggle with that tension where it's like, okay, like I love them so I want to give them everything, but they don't understand what it costs me. They don't understand the struggle. They don't understand calluses. And if I don't teach them how to have calluses and how to persevere and how to push through and how to work hard, if they don't go through those lessons, then I'm not enabling them to live life when I'm gone. You see, we have a God that knows everything and that's perfect and that he as our father does everything the way that we as his children should have a father do for us. And so what God says in prayer is that I wanna give you something that will enable you to contribute to the kingdom. <laughs> Are you for real? You want me to engage and you want me to do things? Yes, God does not want sons and daughters that are fat and lazy and spiritually sitting on the spiritual sofa eating spiritual Cheetos, doing spiritually nothing. He wants you to engage in the kingdom of God. He wants spiritual warfare to happen. He wants to raise sons and daughters that are soldiers for the cross of Christ. And the only way that he equips us, the Bible says, is through prayer. And through prayer, he as a father will lead us to ask and give us the right things that will equip us to do. But see, here's what, here's what we westernized, lazy Christians are. We are literally not wanting to engage. We just want to be given something for instant gratification, and that's how we view prayer. See, God has a purpose in prayer. When, when he wants you to engage in a conversation, it's because the talk is going somewhere. Not, God, I need this. For what? <laughs> like, what do you need? Like, literally. Why? Because we're not doing anything for the sake of the kingdom. We're not serving. We're not, our capacity is very minimal as it pertains to the kingdom of God. We're doing good just to get to work on time, much less to witness to our coworker. Lord, I need the strength to get through the day. Lord's like, you need strength to get through your day. I thought we were talking about bigger things. I thought we were talking about supernatural stuff. I thought we were going to engage on another level. Like, that was the point of you coming into my family. Like, we're, like, we got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but we're living like we're still in bondage. You get what I'm saying? God's given us prayer to engage in like another level. Okay, all right, this is going over like a lead balloon. <laughs> he wants to enable you to engage. I'm just teasing. I meant that for the online audience. They're not taking it well. They're not. I can, I can sense it. <laughs> Why do we need to communicate with God? We're going to give some, some just awesome little details here that Scripture lays out. Why do we need to communicate with God? The fact that I have to ask that question, I think, is funny. And I know I don't have to ask it, but I thought about asking it here. This is what prayer is. Why do we need it? Well, just think about this. We, <laughs> why wouldn't you want to communicate with the most powerful force in the universe? The fact that I feel like sometimes I have to inspire people to actually want to do it is correct. You know what I'm saying? It should be like, okay, how do we do this thing? Let's make it happen. Let's do groups and let's pray all night. And why? Because we're going somewhere. But like literally, I feel like sometimes in 2020, maybe it's just because it's 2020 that I'm like, do y'all even pray? Is it important to you? We shouldn't have to ask like, why would you want? But you know what? Today we need to ask why. Why? Because people ultimately through statistics and pollings and things, they just don't pray. I, like the, it's like every time I hear it, it's like ridiculous. The average Christian prays like 10 minutes a week or something. And it's like, what? Like, why? I, we should want to engage on that level, that spiritual level. But anyway, you should want to engage with God. Secondly, 
if you don't engage in prayer, it's because you think you're the most powerful force in the universe. So first of all, why do we pray? Well, if you have to ask that question, some priorities need to be aligned. But if you're not praying, it's because you think you've got it. We're good. I, I mean, I got this thing wrapped up. <laughs> Let's just be honest with ourselves. If you're not praying, it's because you feel like you've got it on, on lockdown. And you don't. I don't. We need help. We are natural beings that have been equipped to engage in supernatural work. And the only way we engage on that level is if we pray. So let's be honest with ourselves and say, how, right now, think about it. How much time have you prayed over the last week? That's, <laughs> that's how much you're your own God. And you're doing this thing on your own. We need to engage in prayer. When we communicate with God, this is nuts. I, I, part of me, like when I wrote this down, I was like, no way. Yeah, that's what it's saying. When we communicate with God, that prayer will change the way God acts. When we communicate with God, that prayer will change the way God acts. This is a big one that I thought like certain, okay, there's a flash flood warning somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, if you're watching online, someone's phone's going off. God bless you. Uh, so anyway, the, there's mine. Oh, man. It's an amber alert. Let's take a minute and pray for that, that child. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. And Father, whatever's going on with that child, Father, we pray that you would, uh, through law enforcement, through your means, whatever it takes, Father, we pray that you would save that child, that you would intervene in that situation. Father, that child needs you to do a supernatural work right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we communicate with God, that prayer will change the way God acts. Now we move into to the nuts and bolts, if you will. I hope you see the need to pray. I hope you understand that engaging in a kingdom level in communication with God is important. But let me put some more weight behind it. Exodus 32, verse 9 in your Bibles. Exodus 32, verse 9 and 10. We're going to go all the way to verse 14. And I read, And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people. Some people's service is better than others. It is what it is. That was like AT&T. Mine was like T-Mobile. Well, you got cricket. <laughs> oh, T-Mobile. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> we got a few, mo few moments like Metro, PCS, and then, you know, who's got the burner phones? I see you out there. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Couldn't help myself. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Not much has changed. <laughs> Just kidding. Love you guys. Now, therefore, let me alone, <laughs> that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Can you, I mean, let's just, <laughs> let's talk about that for a minute. Can you imagine having that kind of relationship with the Lord where the Lord's like, hey, I really like you. Why don't we kill everybody and me and you start over? I mean, I'm trying to say if I was Moses in that moment, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Where's the nuke button? I'll hit it. Yeah. A bunch of mats running around. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. That'd be a crazy world. But think about the conversation that's happening with God. He's like, Moses, I like you, but I don't like anybody else in this nation. How about we start over? Look at what Moses' response is. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did, did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains, to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath. Oh, Lord, that we would have a Moses. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And watch this. And the Lord, what? Repented, changed of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Let me give you something that just popped in my mind. First of all, I don't know that there was a greater servant leader in the Bible than Moses. 
And what this shows is that Moses truly thought of himself lower than the people God wanted to destroy. There's, there's truth in that. I could preach on that for a minute. The idea that in praying with God, Moses shows his humility in saying, you're wanting to build a whole construct on me, but I'm no greater than the people that you want to destroy. Prayer gives us humility. I think about 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people which are called by my name will what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land, but heal. But what I'm saying is, is that when we pray, God allows, us, allows our requests to change his mind. Part of this is like saying, was this something God was teasing him with to build his faith because God would never change his mind? And I know that there are some theological systems that don't allow for this type of language that I'm using, and that's okay. But the point is, is we see that God in his prayer engaged with Moses and they collaborated on this situation specifically. Prayer, your prayers will literally like take root. They'll take shape, they'll take a path. They'll take you down. You and the Lord will make decisions. If we understood that God would allow us to be a part of his kingdom plan, how much more would we pray? That's wild. God's given you a say. Man, unbelievable. I also see this. Not only the fact that there's this prayer changing the way God acts, but look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us. So not only is it the fact that it changes, it's him actually waiting on us to do. So prayer is us working in that realm where we confess and he what? Forgives. Where we repent and then he draws nigh. Where we come close to him and he comes what? Close to us. So that's why we see this thing with Moses. Moses prays and then God moves on the situation in a different way. God is waiting on us. Prayer is God using our move first for him to move. I just wonder, like when I think about that, that's insane, right? When we get that truth from the text and we're like, wait a minute, so God will act in my life on my behalf if I initiate it? So how many, that begs the question, how many things are not happening in your life because you're not initiating them? How many things in your life that you have prayed for but you have not done the very clear uh, response to get that response from God? God says it's very simple, you confess, I forgive. You keep going back to that very sin that you're saying you're confessing. Therefore, I'm not equipping you with the forgiveness because you don't really mean it. Do you understand what I'm saying? This prayer thing is, is actuated. It, it, it is motion that moves towards you after you move towards him. And he gives that example over and over. Confess, I'll forgive. Man. If my people, which are called, they humble, they pray, they seek, and turn, then will I. Son, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? If what I'm reading is saying what I believe it to be saying, then God is willing to let us pray a prayer of faith, and then God is going to act according to those prayers. That's what I'm seeing. Are you guys seeing that this morning? God is gonna let you pray a prayer of faith and then he's going to act according to those prayers. It's pretty awesome. God is allowing us to participate in his kingdom plan. Okay, let me give you a little, like, why does this work the way that it does? I think that this is important, what I'm about to tell you. This is like the mechanics of prayer. Are y'all still, y'all are, are done, right? You ready to go to lunch? Let me end it right now. Let's all pray. No, I'm kidding. If all of these things, this groundwork that we're laying of what it is and why we should be doing it, why is this able to like happen the way that it happens? How is this new covenant, this New Testament that we read and, and that we're engaging in in this church context, how is this even working? 
Does anybody like, who's the type of person that like wants to know how it works? You know what I mean? Like there's a couple of you. All right, so this next part is for you. This is like, you're the person who people call when stuff breaks, right? Because you want to know how it works. So prayer is like, some of you in the crowd, you're like, yeah, that, I got it. I'm just going to confess. I'm going to do my part. God's going to do his. Great. Let's do this thing. Let's move it forward. <laughs> but there's a reason why that works. There's weight behind what God is saying. You, you follow me? You feel me? Here's why. 1 Timothy 2.5. Follow me here. 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man who? Christ Jesus. Okay, so we already established what prayer is and how it's going to work. Now the mechanics of that machine are the fact that between you and God, between you and your father, between you and what you want to see happen and how you want to engage in the kingdom of God, there is Jesus. I'm about to happen. If I could do one of them ninja rolls, I need to lose a little weight because I think a ninja roll would go good for this point right here. When we say, say it with me. Okay, two of you. All right, you ready? <laughs> Say this with me. You ready? There's weight there. What is the weight? The weight is, is that Jesus is between us and the Father. Thank God. Why? John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the what? The and the? No man cometh unto the? But by? This is the mechanics. There was the burner phone. Just kidding. <laughs> That's the mechanics. The mechanics are in this prayer life. If you are wanting to have a talk, a conversation with your father, Jesus is the way. He is the go-between. He is the glue. He's the channel, if you will, that you can get on and the radio connects. He, he is, Jesus is, you set the radio the two-way. He's the walkie-talkie. Jesus is the reason that you can audibly communicate to the Father and you can get kingdom resources and have a kingdom plan and a kingdom path because of Jesus. If you think that you're doing this on your own, if you carry weight of your own goodness into this realm instead of weight into who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you, you're wrong. Prayer means so much when we understand the way and the how that we pray is through Jesus. Look at the next text. It just gets heavier and heavier. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. My hope is that at the end of this message, it's not just let's pray for the food. It's that you see what's happening when you're praying through the text. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. What's his name? The Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but as was in all points, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come what? Boldly. Under the throne of grace that we may obtain and find in help, in time, of need before I have a Holy Ghost fit. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an evil, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold what? Fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have in who? him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. L let me just connect all of these dots for you. The point is, is what we had in the temple. God is the same. He is not different. 
The same God that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. The same God that looked over what the children of Israel were doing, the same God that said it has to be done this certain way. The priest line has to be this guy from this family, and he had a bell on his little robe, and if he went into the temple, the Holy of Holies, and he had not done things the way God wanted them to do, he would be struck what? Dead. That's the same God that you're praying to. For real? Yeah. God didn't change. He's the same God, the same God of Israel, Yahweh, the one and only, the God of all gods. <laughs> he still is that holy. He still is that righteous. He still is that meticulous. If we were to be transported into that economy of the old covenant and walk into the holy of holies, we would be killed. But here we are. <laughs> here we are in the new covenant. Here we are in the place where the father poured out his wrath on his son, his only son. Why? Because he loved the world. He wanted us to be a part of this kingdom plan. God wanted us to be a part of his plan of bringing all nations back to himself. So what did he do? He poured out all his wrath on his only begotten son so that we could have a go-between so that we could enter into the throne room of grace, so that we can enter into a holy God covered, so that we could enter into the presence of the Almighty in a position of grace, so that God could work through us. Your path has been cleared. Your clearance level has allowed you entrance into the most incredible throne room on the universe. You have a seat at the table because of Jesus. Whew. It's unbelievable what Jesus did for you. I firmly believe that the church isn't doing the things that the church should be doing because the church doesn't realize what was done for them. If we realize that our prayer is because Jesus is there as the intercessor, the mediator, we would go more often. If we understood when we looked at the cross that that price was paid so that we could engage in kingdom warfare, we would engage in kingdom warfare. But we don't. Why? Because we take it for granted. We're fat, dumb, and happy in our places, Western Christians. We've got what we need. I watched a, uh, I went and saw that movie Infidel with my father-in-law when he was in town. Anybody see the previews for that? So it's pretty crazy. Think about this man who went on, and it said it was from true events, but this man goes over in the Middle East and in Iran proclaims the gospel on this like Islam news network. Of course, to be kidnapped and held hostage by the Iran government, Hezbollah, and they kind of show and depict in the movie him beaten like every day, every day. And they're literally just getting him to, they, they wanna get him to renounce his faith. They stand him up and they set up a firing squad, they condemn him to die by firing squad, they point their weapons at him just to tease him, just to all get to that moment and shoot and nothing happen, and then they send him to prison again and just put it, keep continually putting him through that. Unreal. But when you see someone that is in that place, you, and, and the way they depicted it was so good, you hear him uttering and crying to God for God to work and God to reveal his plan based on the fact that he had nothing else other than his God. But see, we put so many things in front of God. And unfortunately, we only turn to him when we're four or five deep into the things that we turn to first. That's not engaging in kingdom warfare. That's not doing like supernatural kingdom work. When we serve, and we're gonna talk about it tonight, I'm gonna ask you to serve. I'm gonna ask you to get involved here at this church. <laughs> it's, it's more, it's more than just punching a clock. What we're doing here allows folks to hear the gospel, allows folks to see the perspective that we as Christians through prayer should see every day. Do we understand, <laughs> do we understand the price that was paid so that we could pray for our food? so that we could pray for direction, 
so that we could pray for kingdom resources? Do we understand it? Just because we don't see the temple, just because we weren't there and saw how meticulous God was, we have the Bible to read it. We have the Bible to understand how meticulous God is. Maybe we, would take, maybe we wouldn't take it for granted as much if we saw a priest die because he entered into God's presence unworthy. And then when we realize that that would be us if Jesus hadn't of what? Gone before us. He is our high priest in old covenant lingo. He makes intercession. The path is clear legally. You can go to the throne room. You can talk to the most powerful force in the universe because of Jesus. And that's a lot of times why I say in Jesus' name. I say it every time. I don't think that it's something that has to be done uh, repetitiously. I think that we could say it in the middle of the prayer. Lord, I'm coming to you because of the blood of Jesus. I just say through habit, in Jesus' name, amen. But the, the understanding when I say in Jesus' name, it's because I'm understanding the weight that I'm entering into God's presence because of Jesus. Okay, that's the burner phone. There it is. Now, as it pertains to the effectiveness of our prayer, when we enter into the presence of God, we are entering into his ecosystem, the unseen realm, the place where God dwells. What do we talk about? What do we say? Does anybody ever wonder, like, what do I say when I pray? Anybody? How do I, what do I articulate? Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus makes the way clear. The Spirit helps us say the right things. And the Father is the relationship that we have that allows us to have a part in the kingdom plan. That's kind of how I see it. God not only made the way clear, <laughs> God, God not only said, all right, we're gonna do this thing, you're my son, you're my daughter. His training equipped you with the spirit of God himself of the same substance of the Father, consubstantial of the same substance of the Son. The Holy Ghost is in you. The temple is lit. The Shekinah glory is sitting in your heart. You are a new creation in Christ, and he therefore will give you the words to say. He is your connection. He is the one that will help you utter the groanings which we can't even verbally understand. The whole, he's equipped you to pray. Have you asked him? Have you asked the Holy Spirit? Have you prayed to the Holy Spirit? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. He will give you the words to say. Here's the application. I may get through like one of these and if we'll maybe do the rest of them next week. What does all this boil down to? Applying prayer to our lives. Here's, here's just a few helpful tips as we move on from this topic. Number one, willful sinning is the opposite of a good prayer posture. As we put all this together and we understand the context of our relationship is with the Father, made the way to the Father by the Son, paying the price legally, declaring us righteous before the Father through justification, continues that process through sanctification and equips us with the Holy Ghost of God, the Holy Spirit, the down payment living inside of you, bringing you to Jesus, bringing you to the Father, giving you the words to say. Here's what I see. I see willful sinning is the opposite of a good prayer posture. So as you begin to like, okay, I wanna pray more. I, I want to engage in this kingdom warfare through my prayer life. I wanna do big things through prayer. The opposite of that good prayer posture is willful sinning. So before we ever get to a place where we're like, yeah, we're gonna do this thing, we're gonna pray, you need to change. You need to confess, you need to repent. Psalm 68, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the psalmist said the Lord will not hear me. That's a verse that's in the Bible. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you are continuing in sin, if you have secret sin, 
if you are continuing to do behavior that you know is contrary to God's holiness and God's character, stop it. You will have no prayer life until those things get fixed. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? Hear me. Church, let's put a premium on what Jesus did and let's say that the kingdom is more important and our purposes are more important in our life than our sin. Amen. God bless. <laughs> Silent. Side button. No, it's all good. <laughs> Let it ring. Pause. There we go. <laughs> Boomers. Just kidding. <laughs> I love you. Here, here's the thing. Here's what you're saying. Here's what you're saying. I like my sin more than I like my talks with God. If confession and repentance and, and me humbling myself is the requirement of me getting into this kingdom life with God, what you're saying is, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And it's crazy to me because when people run into things that they need supernatural help, they realize that their priorities were backwards from the beginning. It's amazing how fast people get right with the Lord when they're losing the things that they actually love. I'll give it up. I'll give it up. I'll give it up. I just want you, God. Nobody believes that. If you wanted God, you would have been saying, I'm gonna give it up a long time ago because you know that you've actually had no relationship because if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord does not hear you. Now listen, I'm not preaching doom and gloom and leaving you there. I love you. I love each and every one of you. We've all been there. We've all had sin in our hearts that we have had to confront and confess and forsake and move past. The Holy Spirit is greater. He will give you the grace. He will forgive you of your sin but you have to stop, you have to stop. It's important if you want a prayer life. First Peter 3.12, for the eyes of the Lord are, are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. There's another one. Oh, oh wait, there's more. First John 3, 21 through 22. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That's right. Tell him, beans. Psalm 19, 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Not only, church, help me, come here, come on, come on with me, we're about done. We're landing the plane, kind of, sort of, maybe not really, but here's the point. If you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. Further than that, the psalmist says there are secret faults. There are things that you do wrong that, guess what, you don't even know about. Sins of omission. Make the path clear. Give God, <laughs> give him the benefit of the doubt that what he did, the plan that he instituted is a good one. And just come into his presence and ask forgiveness. Lay it, as, lay it at his feet. Let the Holy Spirit show you. He, listen, he will instruct you. He will tell you. He will rip you apart. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God and you're living in sin, I don't even have to say it. The Holy Spirit is like, it's like horrible form, you know? I need to go to an MMA class, don't I? <laughs> The Holy Spirit is like getting you. <laughs> this is a dead giveaway that we are not praying for the right reasons if you're regarding iniquity. Willful sin is the opposite of a good prayer posture. What did Moses have? Humility. Here's another one. You don't always get what you want, and you shouldn't. As I read scripture and as I studied this thing of prayer, you don't always get what you want, and you shouldn't. What do, what do you mean? Matthew 26, 39, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thine be done. Even Jesus, in his moment of great heaviness, was like, is it possible? <laughs> no. There will be moments. He was tempted as we are tempted. He felt the humanity that we carry every day. There are moments that you're gonna pray for things and the answer to your prayer is not giving you what you ask for. You need to understand that. It's, it's a part of us being human. Contentment in prayer is security in our relationship with the Father. Don't miss that. Contentment in prayer is security in our relationship with the Father. If the Father has set up the channels in the right way, given you the Holy Spirit, made the path clear with the Son, and you pray for something and you feel you're right with him, let his answer be what it is and be content with that and be secure in the process. 
be secure in your relationship with him. Can we see, have we pulled back the curtain enough today to see what prayer is to trust the process? Maybe you're in pain today. Maybe, and some of you I know, I know, I've had conversations with you this week. Some of you are facing insane things, and I, and I know that, and I don't take this lightly. What I'm, what I'm talking to you about this morning is giving you the construct to actually bring your burdens to the Lord. And I know some of you are facing incredible challenges this week, and my heart goes out to you, but my heart goes out to you and, and says to you, get this right, because this is your lifeline. This is what will help you. Contentment in the Father, having security in that relationship is what will make all the difference. Here's the last thing. Uh, I'm sorry, two more. Pray for wisdom all the time. Here's what I see when I kind of went on this study for prayer. Pray for wisdom all the time. Wisdom will help you see through the lens of faith. This is just practical stuff. Pray for wisdom. Pray, that's right, Beans. Pray for wisdom. James 1, 5 through 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For, for uh, let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Many don't know what they don't know. What a great, what, what a great line. I think Groeschel says it all often. Many don't know what they don't know. It's sad when the Bible is so accessible. Many of you are praying literally against what scripture outlines. Lord, give me this, God help me with that, blah, blah, blah. And the answers are, you're literally praying for something contradictory because you don't know the word of God. Because you don't study it and you don't read it. But, but listen, the point is, is you can pray for wisdom daily. You can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what is in these pages, and he will. Pray for wisdom, church. If you pray for anything today, pray for this, pray for wisdom. All the time, every day, just continually ask for wisdom. Lord, we'll give it to you. This is, gen uh, yeah, the last one, I think. Praying for wisdom and in faith will reveal different kingdom outcomes. Listen to this text, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he said unto thee, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in my weakness. Some of you need to pray for wisdom to see that you're right where God has you. Some of you need to pray for wisdom and realize that his grace is sufficient for right where you are right now. But through, without the wisdom to see through that lens, you're, being, you're praying to be removed from situations that God has you where he wants you. And that's unfortunate. Pray for wisdom, pray in faith, and it will reveal to you God's kingdom plan. Mark eleven twenty four. therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and shall have them. Hey, believe that I'm here. Believe that this thing is working. Prayer is engaging in kingdom activity. It is not a temporary fix for a temporary problem. It's supernatural, and it's eternal. That's what it is. Prayer is our connection to our kingdom position. Prayer is one of the most important, if not the most important duty of a Christian. What does your prayer life look like? What's it look like? Every head bowed, every eye closed.